Section one of Dissertation on Oriental Gardening. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Peter Yearsley. Dissertation on Oriental Gardening by Sir William Chambers. To which is annexed an explanatory discourse by Tan Chet Kwa of Kwang Chu Fu. Gentlemen. Section 1. To the King. I humbly beg leave to lay at your Majesty's feet the following dissertation upon an art of which you are the first judge, as well as the most munificent encourager. A sketch of the present little performance was graciously received by your Majesty many years ago, and found a kind reception in the world under the influence of your patronage this is more ample i wish it may be more perfect than the original that it may have a juster title to your indulgence and better pretensions to the favour of the public i am may it please your majesty your majesty's dutiful servant and faithful subject william chambers preface amongst the decorative arts there is none of which the influence is so extensive as that of gardening the productions of other arts have their separate classes of admirers who alone relish or set any great value upon them to the rest of the world they are indifferent sometimes disgusting a building affords no pleasure to the generality of men but what results from the grandeur of the object or the value of its materials nor doth a picture affect them but by its resemblance to life a thousand other beauties of a higher kind are lost upon them for in architecture in painting and indeed in most other arts men must learn before they can admire their pleasure keeps pace with their judgment and it is only by knowing much that they can be highly delighted but gardening is of a different nature its dominion is general its effects upon the human mind certain and invariable without any previous information without being taught all men are delighted with the gay luxuriant scenery of summer and depressed at the dismal aspect of autumnal prospects the charms of cultivation are equally sensible to the ignorant and the learned and they are equally disgusted at the rudeness of neglected nature lawns woods shrubberies rivers and mountains affect them both in the same manner and every combination of these will excite similar sensations in the minds of both nor are the productions of this art less permanent than general in their effects pictures statues buildings soon glut the sight and grow indifferent to the spectator but in gardens there is a continual state of fluctuation that leaves no room for satiety the progress of vegetation the vicissitudes of seasons the changes of the weather the different directions of the sun the passage of clouds the agitation and sounds produced by winds together with the accidental intervention of living or moving objects vary the appearances so often and so considerably that it is almost impossible to be cloyed even with the same prospects is it not singular then that an art with which a considerable part of our enjoyments is so universally connected should have no regular professors in our quarter of the world 
upon the continent it is a collateral branch of the architect's employment who immersed in the study and avocations of his own profession finds no leisure for other disquisitions and in this island it is abandoned to kitchen gardeners well skilled in the culture of salads but little acquainted with the principles of ornamental gardening it cannot be expected that men uneducated and doomed by their condition to waste the vigour of life in hard labour should ever go far in so refined so difficult a pursuit to this unaccountable want of regular masters may in a great measure be ascribed the scarcity of perfect gardens there are indeed very few in our part of the globe wherein nature has been improved to the best advantage or art employed with the soundest judgment the gardens of italy france germany spain and of all the other countries where the ancient style still prevails are in general mere cities of verdure their walks like streets all conducted in straight lines diverge from different large open spaces resembling public squares and the hedges with which they are bordered rise in imitation of walls adorned with pilasters niches windows and doors or they are cut into colonnades arcades and porticoes all the detached trees are shaped like obelisks pyramids and vases and all the recesses in the thickets bear the names and forms of theatres amphitheatres temples banqueting halls ballrooms cabinets and saloons the streets and squares are well manned with statues of marble or lead ranged in regular lines like soldiers at a procession which to make them more natural are sometimes painted in proper colours and finely gilt the lakes and rivers confined by keys of hewn stone are taught to flow in geometric order and the cascades glide from the heights by many a succession of marble steps not a twig is suffered to grow as nature directs nor is a form admitted but what is scientific and determinable by the rule or compass in england where this ancient style is held in detestation and where in opposition to the rest of the world a new manner is universally adopted in which no appearance of art is tolerated our gardens differ very little from common fields so closely is vulgar nature copied in most of them there is generally so little variety and so much want of judgment in the choice of the objects such a poverty of imagination in the contrivance and of art in the arrangement that these compositions rather appear the offspring of chance than design and a stranger is often at a loss to know whether he is walking in a common meadow or in a pleasure ground made and kept at a very considerable expense he finds nothing either to delight or to amuse him nothing to keep up his attention or excite his curiosity little to flatter the senses and less to touch the passions or gratify the understanding at his first entrance he sees a large green field 
scattered over with a few straggling trees, and verged with a confused border of little shrubs and flowers. On farther inspection he finds a little serpentine path twining in regular S's among the shrubs of the border, upon which he is to go round to look on one side at what he has already seen, the large green field, and on the other side at the boundary, which is never more than a few yards from him, and always obtruding on his sight. From time to time he perceives a little seat or temple stuck up against the wall. Happy in the discovery, he sits down to rest his wearied limbs, and then reels on again, cursing the line of beauty, till, spent with fatigue, half roasted by the sun, for there is never any shade, and dying for want of entertainment, he resolves to see no more. Vain resolution! There is but one path. He must either drag on to the end, or return by the tedious way he came. Such is the favourite plan of all our smaller gardens, and our larger works are only a repetition of the small ones. More green fields, more shrubberies, more serpentine walks, and more temples. Like the honest bachelor's feast, which consisted in nothing but a multiplication of his own dinner, three legs of mutton and turnips, three roasted geese, and three buttered apple pies. Sometimes, indeed, by way of regale, where such dainties are attainable, you are treated with a serpentine river, that is, a stripe of stagnant water waving in semicircles as far as it will reach, and finishing in a pretty little orderly step cascade that never runs but when it rains. The banks of these curious rivers are everywhere uniform, parallel, level, smooth and green as a billiard-table, and the whole composition bears a great resemblance to the barge-canals of Holland, the only difference being that the Dutch ditches are regularly straight, whilst ours are regularly crooked. Of the two, ours are certainly the most formal and affected. They are by no means the most picturesque. It is, I think, obvious that neither the artful nor the simple style of gardening here mentioned is right, the one being too much refined and too extravagant a deviation from nature, the other, like a Dutch picture, an affected adherence to her, without choice or judgment. One manner is absurd, the other is insipid and vulgar, a judicious mixture of art and nature, an extract of what is good in both manners, would certainly be more perfect than either. Yet how this union can be effected is difficult to say. The men of art and the friends of nature are equally violent in defence of their favourite system, and, like all other partisans, loath to give up anything, however unreasonable. Such a coalition is therefore now not to be expected. Whoever should be bold enough to attempt it would probably incur the censure of both sides without reforming either, and consequently prejudice himself without doing service to the art. But though it might be impertinent, as well as useless, to start a new system of one's own, it cannot be improper, nor totally unserviceable, to publish that of others. 
especially of a people whose skill in gardening has often been the subject of praise and whose manner has been set up amongst us as the standard of imitation without ever having been properly defined it is a common saying that from the worst things some good may be extracted and even if what i have to relate should be inferior to what is already known yet surely some useful hints may be collected from it i may therefore without danger to myself and it is hoped without offence to others offer the following account of the chinese manner of gardening which is collected from my own observations in china from conversations with their artists and remarks transmitted to me at different times by travellers a sketch of what i have now attempted to finish was published some years ago and the favourable reception granted to that little performance induced me to collect materials for this whether the chinese manner of gardening be better or worse than those now in use amongst the europeans i will not determine comparison is the surest as well as the easiest test of truth it is in every man's power to compare and to judge for himself should the present publication contain anything useful my purpose will be fully answered if not it may perhaps afford some little entertainment or serve at worst to kill an idle hour i must not enter upon my subject without apologising for the liberties here taken with our english gardens there are indeed several that do not come within the compass of my description some of which were laid out by their owners who are as eminently skilled in gardening as in many other branches of polite knowledge the rest owe most of their excellence to nature and are upon the whole very little improved by the interposition of art which though it may have heightened some of their beauties has totally robbed them of many others it would be tedious to enumerate all the errors of a false taste but the havoc it has made in our old plantations must ever be remembered with indignation the axe has often in one day laid waste the growth of several ages and thousands of venerable plants whole woods of them have been swept away to make room for a little grass and a few american weeds our virtuosi have scarcely left an acre of shade nor three trees growing in a line from the land's end to the tweed and if their humour for devastation continues to rage much longer there will not be a forest tree left standing in the whole kingdom End of section 1